0: You know, Hip Hop for Change is also advocating for Justice for Zumbi from Zion I. Yes. Um, and, you know, um, I absolutely love Zion I. Devastated, when that news hit um, last summer. And, you know, just from everything that I've been able to read online, and, you know, obviously I'm scanning the comment sections as well, just because there's not a lot of details out there. So I'm trying to get any little piece of detail that I can to better understand what happened you know what do you know about the situation and and how he was killed and and what exactly um is hip-hop for change advocating for because i know like there hasn't been any any anyone involved has not been brought to justice right or charged um but i just haven't been able to find a ton of details and i've been looking so like can you kind of Share share what happened, not just for me, but for everyone out there who maybe yeah. not be as familiar. I, I, I
1: will I will share whatever I am comfortable sharing. I'm gonna preface it with that because you know one thing I've I've, I've taken exception to in the wake of, of of Zumbi Zumbi's death is how many people in our community have have used that death to capitalize their, on their own agendas, and I found that kind of despicable. Um, Zumbi was a was a, a colleague I knew him. Um, we were actually working on a podcast together before he he died. He was one of the first, if not the first, rap artists I met when I moved to the Bay Area. So I'm forever indebted to just his presence in, in the scene and as a, as a contributor to the culture. Um, what I know of it is that uh, he had been in the hospital, um, I think, for something COVID-related. And... Um, he was dysregulated for for some reason or another and the interaction he had with the security guards kind of escalated um in 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 and resulted in his death uh, that's that's the most that i can say i think what the family is asking for uh from what i understand is to reveal or to at least um see the actual camera footage to it to, to better understand how the incident escalated itself. you understand what I'm saying uh in order for their the family attorneys and for everybody involved on the legal aspect of it to make the appropriate calls right they did determine any homicide um so there's that. They could have just said it was natural causes. They could have said some other shit like Sandra, Sandra Bland or like, you know what I'm saying? They could have said some other shit, but they're at least admitting that it is a homicide. Um, so having that footage revealed, I think would better explain things and would give people a, a better legal premise to start with in terms of bringing somebody to account or to, for bringing somebody in for justice, whether it was the actual security guard, the company that hired him, this, the, the the police department whoever um it, it, it just it's just beyond me that a a black man can go into a hospital and then leave dead <laughs> right not for the reason he went into the hospital and and the kind of uh uh victim blaming that's done in the media is also despicable I, I I've, I've read reports where they said that he was in there for something other than covid um that was more like, oh, he was having a mental health crisis. And you know, and I, I can't speak to whether or not that was actually the case. But what it does when you have that coming from a media source is it's painting the narrative that he was like a rabid dog and needed to be put down. And I don't like that. That to me just doesn't sit well in my soul, right? Because that's kind of, time and again, that's what we end up getting, right? We got that with Trayvon Martin. We got that with a bunch of young black men who are killed un- unnecessarily. By police, vigilantes, white, you know, social justice warriors, whatever the case is, right? Like we, we're constantly getting, oh, this was a menacing threat that we had to take out. And me knowing Zo- Zumbi in the in the in the very little way that I knew him, as opposed to his friends and family, that could never be said of that man, right? Like this man, I I, I used to watch him go into meditative trances and stretches before a show he never exhibited any signs of violence menacing behavior not to the point that would justify him being dead in a hospital you know um he's a father he was a father of three like i don't you know so i I don't like the games that the media plays with his name i don't like the games and the narrative that's always painted when it comes to black men being being victims to violence um at the hands of police or other authority figures i think it's falling into that line and uh you know, I'm with the family and I support the family and what they are deeming is necessary for the next step, whatever that is. Right. So hip hop for change, we stand with the family. We stand with anyone who has more information that wants to call people account- accountable for what was done and, and how it was done. And I think the community just needs more information in order for the community to heal. You know, I mean, he he, may, he had such a positive impact on the Bay Area rap scene and California's rap scene that we were all devastated. I did a show with Rakim the same night he died, right? And I we couldn't even function, right? We didn't even know how we were gonna do the show. Like I'm, I'm talking to my DJ, I'm talking to everybody who's involved and I'm trying to figure out like, what's the best response to what was just done? Like our hearts are gonna be heavy hitting the stage. You know what I mean? Um, we, we, we did the show nonetheless, we did a special dedication all of the things. They continue to do special dedications in any hip-hop function out here in the Bay for that reason. Um, And people still are carrying his name. Shout out to my man, Deuce Eclipse, who's part of Zion Eye Crew, Equipto, a lot of other brothers out here who've known him for years as kids, as colleagues, as collaborators, Um, you know, just keeping his legacy alive and keeping the positivity of his legacy alive more so than what's been said in the media unnecessarily or unjustly um but i i just to reiterate again i stand with the family and whatever the family wants to do so presently what i know of the family is that they're looking to get the 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 camera footage released so we could see exactly what the interaction was and how that transpired and then from there whatever their attorneys deem is is the best course of action i think that's that's the better way to, to do it um But everything I know of the case is that it was an unfortunate situation that should have never resulted in his death. So.
0: No, thank you for sharing that. And yeah, you know, obviously I was heartbroken too, just as many fans were. He was always a great interview, always had great interactions with him. Whenever a Zion I album was coming out, we would get on the phone and talk. Um, He was actually one of my first interviews too, when I was doing email interviews, like way back when Hip Hop Game was like, not even known at that point, but I think that was probably 2002, early 2003. Mm. So I I never had a bad interaction. And even back then when I had zero name, the website had zero clout, um, he had no problem working with me and giving me his time. So I've always felt indebted to him for for being cool like that because not everyone you know is like that you know when you're not a big outlet right away. So um, I just always appreciated that and and have always loved Zionized music and just you know the sound that they did and the way they repped the bay. Um, sure. You know, and and looking at your own music, you know, Crowns has been out for a little over a year at this point. I feel like that is such a personal and powerful record from you. You know, you're talking about relationships um professional goals your family um your children like you're just talking about so many different different things on the on the album but i feel like you're really opening up i mean it feels like to me some of your most personal work to date like you know how, how do you feel about about what you were able to do with crowns and and how people have responded to it
1: I I couldn't have been prouder of this project, to be honest with you. This is one of the very first projects that it wasn't just kind of a knee-jerk cosmetic reaction to wanting to be in rap conversations, right? I think a lot of artists historically, we put out music just because we want music out, right? We just need to get something out. We want something for people to pay attention to us. This was one where on the heels of the album that I had before, Lightning Years, that was up to up to that point my most successful album in terms of the way that people received it and streams or whatever other metric you want to use i really wanted to lock in on this album i really wanted i've never had the opportunity in my career to really focus on making an album everything has always been some scattered songs elsewhere and then you kind of add some more songs to give it some continuity and you're you're just basically developing a mixtape that that's going to be revealed on streaming services that's how most of my albums have always been prepared because I'm, I'm literally like a mixtape rapper I was you know what I'm saying I, every mixtape I dropped y'all, y'all be hip-hop game put out on one level or another but they were done as mixtapes with very poor quality and never thinking of like what is the intention behind it where is each song going to be played what is the audience for each song what is the the color scheme, right? How do I want the album to feel? How do I want the album to look? This was the very first time in my entire career where I was able to answer those questions before and as I am recording and writing and producing, um, working in the same studio, having kind of a rhythm with the engineer where I'm trusting their choices and I'm listening to what they are recommending um, along with what I'm bringing to the table, bringing in other producers, producers who I've worked with for years, as well as well-known producers, right? Just the entire process of it was different. And it was, it was done in the way that I've always wanted to create an album. And the output was my most successful album, right? After putting out pretty much a dozen mixtapes. Um, three albums or four albums prior this was the one that did it for whatever reason right and I well, I know the reason right and, it, and it's really just the work and being at a level of maturity in my own life where I can be patient enough with myself and not feel that sense of urgency to put something out just to get the gratification really just being intentional um so knowing the intention that I put into the record explains and justifies to me the response. And I, I'm I'm very in, in in I'm in complete gratitude and awe of the response that people have given me for this album. Last year when I when I dropped it, um people who I didn't even know listened to my music were like, yo, this is some shit on this album. Right. And then me wanting to spin the block on it and then add more songs and create this luxury deluxe album. Um, only because I wanted to continue to celebrate this body of work and give it more life. Um, and continue to give it more life. Cause now we're doing a bunch of videos and Instagram reels and all of that. Because what I I thought about just strategically is people are gonna like one particular song. I'm gonna push a song or somebody's gonna come across a song and they're gonna love it. And maybe they become a true fan. And if they become a true fan, I don't want them to go back to an older body of work that doesn't represent where I am now. So let me flood the market with where I am now, right? the 20 some odd songs that ended up on the deluxe album. This way you could literally binge listen. You can listen, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't have to be all in one sitting. You now have a capsule of my most authentic, honest and up-to-date work that you can listen to and really get to know me as an artist, right? Yes, you can go back to the older records and, 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 and contextualize the journey. But if you're just learning about unlearn the world from the one album, you'll have more than enough on this album to get it right and and as such I wanted to be able to create a level of diversity sonically um and in, in, in terms of content, right like a, a song about my sons strictly about my sons, not me doing lyrical miracle and having a bar here or there about my children like literally talking about my children, literally talking about specific topics, my girlfriend like talking about my girlfriend in the record, which I haven't done in I think a bunch of different projects, right like um having those songs to just give, give credit where credit is due in terms of the people in my life right talking about like my 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 brothers right the people who literally raised me and supported my career as an artist from very early on right i think a lot of rappers are like yo i did this on my own nobody supported me to the contrary my brothers supported me from day one right and, and that's how I start the album I said this is what I dreamed about when I was rapping on the roof my brothers were the ones putting me on the roof to rap we were like you know what I'm saying just like that's you know um so that was just such a it was such a healing process for me um I I, I started during the pandemic I started therapy so this was the first album I did post therapy or doing therapy work right, healing work for myself. So you kind of removed blockages that you had before where you're able to articulate your thoughts and your opinions a lot more, but you're also using the medium of the art to kind of process your own shit. You know, I say in one of those songs, Great in the Game, like I literally translated, like I was nine the first time I saw a switchblade or I had held a switchblade, like just kind of recalling that and recognizing like that was impact. like, that's not just a cold line that was something that you experienced and you never processed that experience. As little as it is, you've never processed what that experience did for you and what that continued to do for you. And I think that's part of the Unlearn the World brand is me coming to the realization, Unlearn the World as a statement is a conclusion that I came up with, right? Like we could talk about the origin name all day, Higher Learning, Nas, like I always talk about it, right? Because people always are interested in how the name evolved (laughs) because when you met me, I was calling myself Un, (laughs) just U-N right? And I think one of my very first mixtapes on Hip Hop for Game, uh, I I changed it to Unlearn. But then when I was ready to put out an album, I reckon that first, in terms of just the music industry, there was already a group called Unlearn in Canada. They do like EDM kind of stuff or like Deep House or whatever. So I couldn't just use that name. I needed to add something else. So I took The World is Yours and I put it on the back of Unlearn and now it's Unlearn the World. But it's a conclusion that I was drawing at the time, recognizing that In order for me to go where I needed to go as an artist, as a human being, I needed to remove some of the constructs that I have adopted, some of the agreements that I have made, and the narratives that I have told about myself that come from other people, right? I needed to unlearn the world. We all need to unlearn the world. When I introduce myself with that name, people are like, that's very profound. That's int- Like they just, you know what I'm saying? So I, I tell people all the time, like even if you didn't even listen to rap, you could relate to the message of that. So it was a conclusion that I that I came up with that I think we all are starting to understand. We all need to break our own societal conditioning, right? So in, in, in doing that, going to therapy helped because it was an opportunity for me to literally unlearn the world. And the things that I was learning about myself in therapy were then informing the way that I wrote my songs. So now I'm getting like a very clear view of who I am and how I'm talking and and the choices that I'm making. Plus I'm a beat maker. So I know exactly what I need to do in terms of my production to to enhance and support what is being said in the lyrics, right? Um, So, when I, when I talk about hip hop education work and hip hop being a, 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 a uh, vehicle of thought, a way of thinking, I used that way of thinking for this album. It became a multi-dimensional way of thinking. It wasn't just making a beat and writing a rap. It was making a beat, writing a rap, understanding the color scheme for this song, understanding the mix, all of these different things were being factored in, in real time as I am creating, as opposed to after the fact. And that's what be, was able to create this catalyst for me to l- be able to really articulate how I feel about things, really, I think, hone my style as an artist, also give me flexibility to experiment with things and play around with different sonics and vibrations and frequencies and all of that. But again, it all of the, the results of the album, the, the body of work itself, the, sub, sub, the, the success thereof of the album come from my own healing journey right? So I'm excited to continue to work on new music because I'm continuing to heal and grow and all of these different things. So the music is only going to get better. So it's, it feels good for me because I, I feel like even after all these years and me being in my 40s, I'm just now getting better at what I do.
0: No, that, that's amazing. I mean, I can definitely hear it. And you know, I love your old music too, though. Too like, I'm like, I'm a, I'm a fan Cheers. from you know way back. You know, yeah. Um, love me, hate me, produced by Jake One, was the first unsong yes. I ever heard. <laughs> and you know, looking for those types of songs, you know, you have such a strong archive. Do you have any plans to put the older music out? You know, kind of as like a um like you know the way like that artist released their demos or their you know their really early music because i mean you have so many like great freestyles like the the pete rock freestyle and just so so much you know yeah it's Um, a
1: lot it's a big catalog and thank god i own my masters right like right if if i can find the vocals for those records i would totally remaster them and and put them out again um it's been a thought of mine because my first debut album the wake up call is only on soundcloud i don't have it on streaming services anymore like I, I as an idiot like learning the music industry or learning how to put out digital music i forgot to pay the fee to keep it on streaming so they took it off streaming um considering where i was in my career at the time i didn't want to put it out without having without having to remaster it so it just sits on soundcloud um, very high quality still, but you know, nonetheless, obviously still raw um, and not as streamlined as where I'm at today. But yeah, there's definitely a, a, a thought that I have. And at some point, I will put out those older freestyles and those B-sides, so to speak, right? Just so people can really understand the journey. But I think it's also appropriate for me to be able to contextualize, right? For what what I find so unique about myself as an artist at this level, at this stage in my career, not this level, but the stage, is that there's so much more room for me to continue to grow my fan base and to introduce myself to people, right? There's always an opportunity to introduce myself. So, so I never want to introduce myself to people with older work or here's the B-sides that were really dope that people love but they're not of quality for you to pay attention to now so i think it's first trying to solidify as i'm doing right now solidifying the kind of fan base that i want solidifying the community of people who really listen to my music um or scaling it up because there is a community and shout out to everybody who's supported me since hip-hop game days and and you know i i I, like i really legit have fans who I, i have personal relationships with who have listened to me since love me hate me dropped in like 2004, 2005, and I, I love that. Um, so I do see a future where I can take those older songs and the genius thereof and either redo them or master them again, just so you can hear like the growth. I want people to really understand the growth of this, of, of who I am, like, just like, look at it. Like I marvel at it all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like I I, I have older phones that I look through to see raps, pictures, all of that, I have a whole uh, treasure chest of older like rhyme books and things. So I'm, you know, on occasion, I, I I really look at how far I've come as an individual, but I also celebrate like the genius or the potential genius that was in those earlier pieces of work. Love Me, Hate Me is still one of my favorite Jake one beats ever, <laughs> um, one of my favorite songs that I've ever recorded. Um along with some of the other Jake one beats that I had on that little mixtape of mine, you know what I'm saying? And like, I, I, I was actually speaking to Jake one the other day and I said, yo, I've been rocking with you since I, I was listening to your songs in the Def jam office in 2002, not even the songs, just the beats, beats that would end up getting placed on like the game album. And like, uh, like these were just ideas that ended up becoming multi-platinum records that I was listening to in offices in Detroit, in New York, before Jake One became who he is now in the culture, right? And then for me to kind of circle back. And now um, my most recent song that I put out in addition to Crowns is a a song that's a bonus record on the deluxe version called Energy Never Dies produced by Jake One. Um, And I love this record. And I love that it's a full circle moment for me, for somebody who not only informed my writing style as a rapper, but really informed my style of producing, right? He is my biggest producer inspiration, um, in one way or another. Him and Hitboy, I would say, because um, Hitboy is amazing. But just just listening to those drums and knowing how to make that kind of drum production and wanting to do my chops the same way and wanting to sample voices in the same way, um, that all comes from just listening to Jake One and being a fan of his music. And now we're working on another record that I'm about to put out in in, in January or February. Uh, And I'm super excited for this record to to, to come out. And I think it's going to be the first record that I ever put out on vinyl, right? So we're learning new ways to just kind of reintroduce myself to fans. Um, Maybe there will be a future where I can take these older Jake One records and like do a whole project and just put it out there. We'll see. But I think it's important at some point to put out this older work so it could contextualize the journey. And I think that my fans, my true fans would really appreciate it.
0: No doubt. That I mean, yeah, I love the fact that you guys are still working together and still making great music. You know, um, thank you so much for your time today, too. It's great to get caught up and great to have you back on the pod that's, you know, currently getting relaunched. You know, you and Wordsworth are actually the two first interviews coming out. You know, Wordsworth uh happened late last week, and now you and you guys are gonna be the first two episodes. So I couldn't think of a better way I love to it. bring back the we going in pod than having you two be like um The cornerstones because we've had great conversations over the years, both on the record and just you know off the record on the phone on AIM. Yeah, i like, uh, Remember the AIM
1: days, bro? Like, man, I, I'm gonna tell you something funny about Wordsworth. Shout out to Wordsworth, that's my guy, you know? Like, I've 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 admired him from afar for years, not only for the work that he did with Lyricist Lounge and being on the TV show and all of that, but also as as one of my contemporaries on hip hop game, right? Like, my contemporaries on hip hop game were Wordsworth. Joel Ortiz, Sky Zoo, who I did a song with, right? I think maybe J. Cole and Wale before anybody knew J. Cole and Wale. Like, I think I might've been Hip Hop Artist of the Month like two months before you made J. Cole Hip Hop Artist of the Month. And then he drops the warm up. And I thought that was the greatest thing that ever dropped ever when it came out, like aside from my own shit. But but like we I I came up in this generation of artists that I'm looking at everybody now. And I'm like, yo, we fucking did that. Like we that that generation that I'm part of in one way or another. Right. Like it's just we we have really legit legitimately kept the culture alive. Right. But with Wordsworth, it's interesting because I've always admired him on one way or another, his songs, his music, his freestyle ability, seeing him in just New York in general. And then I meet him for the first time at Harvard University, both of us hip hop educators. Now I do a performance and he comes up to me like it was it was, you know, what I'm saying like I, I hadn't even noticed that he was there. But the minute I see him coming up to me, I'm like, I know this dude, like I know this. this is Wordsworth. Right. So he was he was trying to introduce himself to me. I'm like, you get out of here. I know who you are, bro. Like you are fucking like you're like a low key hero of mine. Like I can't even, you know what I'm saying? So just that kind of full circle moment of us just being. And same thing with Sky Zoo. When I first met Sky Zoo, I was like, yo, we got on a record together because of hip hop game. And, you know, so it's like all these moments that I have now that really start with just being part of that that group of people, of artists that you were amplifying and artists that the website in and of itself was celebrating and it's just very, I'm I'm filled with so much gratitude for that. You know what I'm saying? Just like to have that moment of like, here's another artist that I used to only wish of about working with. And now here we are in Harvard University of all places, like really just kicking it and, and being cool with each other. And like, to this day, like we admire each other's work and it's, you know, so shout out that, that he was the interview before me and now here we are. Um, beautiful, it's
0: beautiful, man. <laughs> That's amazing. And you know, I'm not surprised that it just like Words is, is one of the coolest guys out there, you know, like um, for everything he's accomplished, you know, super, um, humble about it. And it's like, dude, like your wordsworth, you don't have to be, you know? Yeah. Like it's,
1: it's, it's insane. And then, you know, shout out to you. You're, like, you're writing books now, bro. And academic papers and like,
0: <laughs> thank <you>. what?
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Like, oh man, like, this is crazy. Like, just, just, I think aging is the coolest phenomenon in hip hop now. Like, that's really my honest opinion. Like seeing what Nas is able to do with like with the King diseases and just like we are we are the, we are an uncharted territory friend like you know what I'm saying this is a culture that was already youth-centric but the fact that we have elder statesmen in so many different roles education journalism lyricism all of that and we still can kick it and talk and and be men and we have children and like it's just it's fucking beautiful. <laughs>
0: It, it is, especially when you think back to how like Jay-Z turning 40 was like, his career is over. And now, you know, being 40 is not even a big deal. You know, being that's 50 is not a big saying. deal. Like, right. like,
1: he, he dropped verse of the year, one of the verses of the year this year, and he's in his 50s. Nas just yeah. dropped one of the albums of the year. He's in his late 40s. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, even Drake is 36. Like, what are we talking? Like, it's just crazy. You know what I'm saying? It's just crazy. Like, we don't, I think, I think we're not really speaking about it but it needs to be said that aging is now cool in hip-hop and it's fine